Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I'm your host, Tom Donnelly, and we are here in round 14, extra turn, because we are coming to you not from our usual haunt in Los Angeles, California. We are coming to you from Dallas, Texas, at BGGCon. Woo, woo, woo. Woo, woo. I don't know what, what you're doing with your voice there. Is there... <laughs> There, oh, sorry. We are in Dallas, Texas. There is a word. America. There, there are two words that I say to get into the proper accent of the of the locale. And what are those words? Three, two, one. Desert, Desert dealers. Okay, inside joke <laughs> alert number one. I just got hip to it. I just got hip to it. If you cannot tell, I am here with <laughs> the other host of Game Brain, Trey Alsop. How you doing, Trey? I'm doing great. We are here live at BGGCon. Yes, we are. Dallas, Texas. We are looking out the window. At Dealey Plaza, trying to reconstruct events from the past and what happened. And watching a whole bunch of QAnon people harass. <laughs> QAnon people here, too. So, yeah, we're not really live, though, right? right well, podcasting. We're recording this live. Do we I ever guess... not? <laughs> <laughs> the way it goes sometimes, it doesn't feel... <laughs> I feel like we're no safety net. We are not live here. when you're listening to this. This will not be edited. And as you can also hear... One of our favorite people in the entire world, Aww, a, a woman who wears two hats, she wears a lot of hats actually, but two hats in our context, being both a game brainer and a member of the BGG royalty. Candace, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm having a blast. This is my first BGG con. That's amazing. And it's That's, like, it's awesome to play games with you guys outside of Los the Angeles. Same people. <laughs> Yay. I love that I traveled to Texas to play games with you guys. But we see a lot of other people and we play a lot of games we don't have access to. There's a lot of that That's going true. on. That is true. Well, listen, this is an extra turn, so this is not going to follow the usual uh, the usual rigmarole. We're not going to be doing game news particularly, though uh, a lot of what we're talking about is kind of like a game news segment. Uh, but we are not going to be doing a review of any one game. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be giving you impressions of the many games that we have played here at the con. Impressions of the games. Impressions of not the games. impressions that <laughs> you may be used to. <laughs> impressions of Trey, perhaps. I'm not going to try a Candace. She's too bubbly. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't get there. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we got the game designer, the Omni Gamer, and, uh, and, and me. Tom. We're going to talk about... And Tom. We're going to talk about games. First of all, what weather we've had here, right? It is... Ooh, yeah, let's lead is. with the weather. That's strong. No. <laughs> Two years ago, we were here and it was freezing. Right. It was freezing. They have seasons here in Texas. They did not today. I feel no, like this I checked this the forecast fall. before I got here and it was supposed to be warm and I got it's, catfished a bit. Yeah. There's well, been some cold weather. Well, your standards for cold have changed since you moved away from Philadelphia. But no, it's yes. been a beautiful yes, day here. True. Fall weather, beautiful winter sun, cool, light breeze. And we can't wait to get back down to that convention floor and air conditioning and play some more games. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, in, in terms of, since you and I have been here the, the last time they had one of these cons, uh, what would you say the differences have been between this con and the last one? Uh, okay, slightly smaller numbers, but I think uh, when we were here Wednesday, it didn't seem as big, but obviously it grew quite a bit. So now it, it doesn't seem that different. The main difference is less kind of like professional presence. Yeah, the, the dealer room has gone from being an entire ballroom to two or three rows. So that really got cut down to almost nothing. Um, and the the 
convention has been a little bifurcated. There is a downstairs section where you can play games masked or unmasked, uh, right. mask, mask optional, and there is an upstairs session where uh, masks are mandatory. Um, and at first I was a little skeptical about that, but I think it worked out really well. I mean, I, I like the fact that people had the choice, like party games. We, we tended to go down to the unmasked area and find a little corner where we could unmask with the people that we've been eating with and that we knew with and have been double and triple facts. But the con Correct. con's done a good job of uh, checking, you know, people's vaccination status in order to attend and all of that stuff. So it has felt relatively safe. Who knows? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that things are starting to, like things do not feel normal, but they do feel like they're kind of getting back to normal and sure. I'm glad we. I'm certainly glad we came. Yeah, yeah. But there are no, no regrets. Yeah, I, uh, the only regret is um, for me. Board Game Geek between two years ago and now have taken on some new employees, and some yeah. of them. <laughs> let's face it. Okay. <laughs> It, it, it was. It's been a tough couple been years. Desperate times. Really, you, you gotta get. You gotta <laughs> they get. They just who, take anybody in these you, days. You, know? you go to the army with the army you got, not the army you want necessarily. <laughs> That's what we say. But no, Candace, it has been. It has been a true joy to share this experience with with you. And I know yeah. you've had, but you've had work to do here. What's yeah. The, what's well, that been well, like? it's mostly day job work I've been doing. Sure, here. sure. But you, so, yeah, you had to write an I, article I missed, one day. I missed day. a couple mornings. Yeah, and then I was working on an article. That I wanted to get out for Friday, so yeah, I missed I missed a couple half days, but I'm still just loving the environment here, seeing people from the BGG team, mm -hmm. meeting new people, hanging out with you guys in a different context. Like it's been awesome, and this is out of probably all the conventions I've been to. I haven't been to as quite as many as you guys, but this is like one of the nicest hotels I've ever been to for a convention. So it's been it's a good cozy space. and yeah. every, everybody seems pretty chill and respectful. And focused and on board games. That's like, yes, that's the big yes, difference I about love, this con. I, I love walking around just seeing people having fun playing different board games. That makes me happy. Like even if, even if I didn't play a single game, I'm just happy being in this environment. So, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And listen, before we go any further, thanks to all of the, the the game brainers, you know, the brainiacs who have came up to us and said, or or in passing just oh, said, yeah. love you, love your podcast. It's meant the world to us. It's really been a great thing to run into people that, that are like, oh, that's Tom. Oh, there was one yeah. guy who would recognize the, the, the voice, right? Yeah, the, there was one guy. We were playing Ark Nova. And he was sitting there talking to us for quite a, quite a, a couple minutes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's like, Oh, he's like your voice. Oh, I know who you are. And then, <laughs> and then Tom just flashes his Game Brain T-shirt and says, "Yeah, you want my autograph?" <laughs> <laughs> I did not. <laughs> what would I even sign? What would I even sign? Um, yeah, it's been it's been great. It, I, I, this is one of those cons that because it's all about board gaming, it very much feels like a single tribal experience to some degree, and that and that's an awesome thing. And there were a lot of. We played a lot of great games with a lot of great. But we played a lot with ourselves, but there's almost always one <laughs> that or two didn't people. Sound good. No, that wasn't good. But there was always <laughs> at least one or two people sitting in with us that we didn't know before, and with one exception, we're all fantastic people. We had wonderful, <laughs> wonderful I'm time. Right here, I'm right we here. We don't Tom. need to mention. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's been a um, a tricky balance of like Tom has the list of games that we came in that we wanted. To play yes and that doesn't always mean you get to play all of them we still have a number of games on the list that we have not gotten to sure yet and probably won't some maybe still uh 
But we've also hit a lot of them, too, and we've balanced that with seeing friends, getting food, and playing stupid social games at night in order to, you know, to hang out with friends. So it's, it's been a balancing act, but a, a very pleasurable one. Yeah, I think the last time we did it, I think we went really much more hardcore, yeah. and we would play, uh, we would start a heavy game at 9 p.m., and then this time we were just like, nope, this is for fun. This is for light. Party this games. Is have a good time. It's time for show, show manager. manager. Show yep. manager. Manager. Let's hit, get let's hit get of right the, the con. <laughs> kind of yes. Hit of the con. Um, for man. three of us. Well, let's I get right to it. I think I had the best Queenie show too. You had a pretty good. I mean, queen. we'll yeah. we'll save it for when we yeah, talk a, about it. You had a pretty good Queenie. I've got to go admit, but phenomenal. My, my ballet was. Oh. Mm, chef's kiss um <laughs> let's get right into it then before you were here a day before we were yes and uh matt and i arrived uh my matt my matt and i arrived on tuesday night the day before the con kicked off and we got a chance to play we played a game called i think it was called metagame which was like a video games based apples to apples which was just yeah. we were kind of killing time but it was it was fun and i learned some new video games that i've never heard of but uh, the hit of Tuesday night for me was uh, Paint the Roses. Um, this Tell is us a, about that. This is a game that I think I heard just literally closed their Kickstarter campaign. You know, there might be a late pledge coming, I'm assuming, at some point. It's from North Star Games. Uh, the designer is Ben Goldman. And it is a two to five player logic cooperative like a logic detect, a deduction game, not detection, mm-hmm. deduction game um, that has an Alice in Wonderland kind of theme where we are trying to build this garden, um, put lay these tiles out and fill this garden with these different tiles that either have like a certain color flower. I think there were three colors, red, purple, no, four colors, red, purple, pink, and yellow. And then there are different shapes, diamonds, hearts, clubs, and spades and we each all the players we had a five player game of this i think going um but all the players have a card that's secret that is either one of three different difficulty levels so you could have an easy card which is just color to color meaning you might have a card that says red to purple or yellow to yellow right or a medium card is like shape to shape or it could be a color to color so you know a little more like, ooh. Um, then, <laughs> then there's a difficult card, which had like shape to shape, color to color, and then something else. Like it might have been like shape to color or something. Wow. But you're trying to each round guess at least what one person at the table's table um, card is based on a tile they placed. And you use these cubes to say, hey, I'm putting a tile down. And if I put a single cube, that means where I place this tile my card that I have is meeting the requirement of one thing here. If I put two cubes, that means me putting this tile here, my cube, my card relates to two things here. So it's it's kind of like that. And, we're, and then everybody gets a chance to kind of give some information about the card that they have. And then collectively we decide, hey, whose card do we think we could guess here? Right. Like, oh, oh. Candace put two cubes. So her card is probably a diamond to heart card because, you know, there's a diamond here and a heart here, you know. So you're trying to cooperatively deduce people's cards to advance i think it was alice or something um meanwhile you have the queen that's chasing you and the game is going to end if the queen ever catches up with you on this kind of score track Mm -hmm. so um we are trying not to guess incorrectly so the queen doesn't move faster towards us um 
It was super fun. It, midway through, it kind of reminded me of Cryptid, even though Cryptid is not a cooperative game. I was about to say, it sounds like a cooperative Cryptid yeah, in some ways. Yeah. I, we all thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a great puzzle. It got very challenging the more we filled out the um, the garden with these different tiles. And it was a like nearly finished like version of a prototype of the game um, right. that Steph Hodge from BGG, and she has her own channel, um, as well, but she had a copy of it because she's been playing it like multiple prototypes over time and mm. just like loves the game. So she taught it to us. And yeah, it was really good. I, I really enjoyed it and we all had a good time playing it. Cool. Uh, yeah. Deduction and cooperative feel like polar opposites in my brain. So it's <laughs> like I'm kind of intrigued. I want to try it. I want to yeah. I, I want to check it out. I thought Cryptid was like, I don't love Cryptid, but I admire the design of it so oh, yeah. much. It's uh, like, how do you take a deduction game and turn it into symbols? And, and like, it, it's yeah. so elemental in, in the way it's constructed. It's amazing. And then you're thinking like, oh, well, that person, you know, and I didn't mention like when you're actually on your turn, you're drafting from a board of like four available tiles. So you're picking something and you're placing it somewhere in the garden related to other tiles to help your opponents deduce, you know, what your card is, or sometimes it's maybe it will help them get, you'll get info on them. And it just, it's really cool to see like, oh, well, she, she picked the pink, you know, there, there were two purples and a yellow there, but she put the pink one here. Why did that happen? And now, you know, Mm. it was, it was really fun. That's awesome. And apparently it has a bunch of like different variants, which can make it crazier and stuff. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it, and it's something that I'm definitely strongly considering picking up. Yeah, so uh, Kickstarter just closed, uh, but you can uh, potentially find it. There probably will be a late pledge option. Can't say that for sure, but yeah. there's... Uh, we should also say that uh, everything we're going to be talking about today is going to be first impressions. Nothing should constitute a review. We have had uh, you know one to two plays maximum of any of these things, and it's been very limited, but you know... Uh, our, it's our job to tell you what we think, so we're going to tell you what we think. We're going to give you our, our, our first impressions of all of these games. So, um, you know, it, so it was you and, and Matt and the... the uh, Derek, Steph, and one of Steph's friends. I can't remember her name right now. Gotcha, gotcha. And then the next day, Tom and Trey arrive. And oh, we should also mention Mark, dun, dun, dun. Mark Now, a uh, friend of the pod who was on an episode just a couple episodes back, right? And personal friend. Mark Now, not Mark yeah. Later. What a, what a oh, Candace! Yeah, no, yeah. Mark <laughs> is the uh, third third part of Outcame Productions, part yes, of yes. Uh, our our kind of like little LARP production company where we do LARPs at Gen Con. Um, yes, and he is here with his daughter. Funny guy. Uh, yeah, real funny. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. He is very. I enjoy him. Funny looking person. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so but we the professional video game designer producer 100%. guy who has a lot of fantastic insights about games, also from a little different perspective, which is nice. Yeah, pro- pro- yeah t- tremendously knowledge based guy who has been in this industry in the video game industry for so long that there's almost nothing you can present him with that he doesn't have a corollary to or something to draw from from his experience. It's amazing. Um, so when we got together, um, I, he was with his Austin crew. I got to sit down with them, and I played just a little bit of the crew mission Deep Sea. Now we'd reviewed the crew. I, I love the crew. I think yeah, it's an it's amazing great. game. Uh, mission Deep Sea, 
is, you know, certainly a different theme, but it also has a different mechanism, which is that in the original crew, the booklet would give you the missions and it would say what the qualifications were, what you had to have. Now, the book tells you how many mission cards to draw. You draw the cards and the cards give you the two, one, two, three, four conditions that you have to meet to successfully complete the round. I love it. I thought it was fantastic. It's really great. I really, really had a great time. It seemed like I came up to the table, and uh, as a group, you guys were terrible. <laughs> um, well, terrible people, but didn't we? We didn't seem to do good. No. Oh no, you seemed to fail a lot. Oh well. Ooh. But that's part of the uh, the fun. We stopped when there were we had three missions cards, and we were talking amongst ourselves who was going to take these mission cards. And the way it works is the first the captain, the first player has to choose whether or not they want any of the cards or pass. And then the second person says, I, I, I don't want any cards. If it goes to the fourth person, they have to take whatever is left. They have no choice in the matter. I was the third person, and I said, I think I can do this card. No cards have been chosen. Oh, I'm like, geez. I think I can and do this card, and I, might, yeah, and I might be able to do this second card. I think I can do those two. And then the fourth person just looked at me and goes, shakes his head like, nope. Can't do it. Nope. We're going down. <laughs> and I said, I'm taking all three cards. And we did it. We we, oh. we, we actually managed to to nail it. And I, did, I didn't have the strongest hand, but there's power in that game of knowing what you're up against. And if there's one person that you kind of have to make sure that all these conditions are met, you can sort of play toward uh, toward a person. Much like in Teach You, when somebody calls Teach You, your partner is doing everything they can just for your hand. They don't even care about what they're right. doing. So it was great. It was great. I, 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 I love that game, even when we're doing horribly, which we definitely did for some of it. I actually just taught some friends um, that version of the crew on uh, BG, uh, Board Game Arena mm. like the week before, and I played the card game. I don't remember if I played it at Gen Con or, so, or something right. recently, um, but yeah, it's really good, and I ended up buying it. I have both versions. I never went through all the missions of the original crew game. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I was going to buy one now, I would definitely buy the new one. Mission Deep Sea? Yeah. yeah. It's just like a lot more interesting with that deck of cards and the different challenges that kind of get thrown your way. It's a, it's a really small uh, change, but a significant one. I think it makes it works. It makes the game better. 100%. I agree. Um, and then we descended upon the hot games room uh two years ago we almost never left the hot games room that was the vast majority of our time this year we spread it out a little bit more wouldn't you say yeah a, a little bit more but we still have spent i feel like the majority uh, what at least two games a day yeah you know? i think i think two games i mean we day. haven't done our second game today Correct. here on saturday Correct. as we are recording uh we have not done two hot games but it's still like the last time we did this it was crazy yeah like it was a mission that we had to play 12 games hot games while we were here and part of that was because we were with matt and i think matt knew this was going to be his last chance to go to a con (laughs) like this for the rest of his life it was the weekend before it was the weekend before he reported to prison that basically is what (laughs) is what it it was like we were taking him to the to all the clubs yeah it's what we wanted it's it's what we wanted listen but it's it's been yeah it's it's been a nice mix um and like i said tom has the list and the first thing that we got to play was well, oh, first of no. all, it does, oh, I mean, I'm new to BGGCon, so I don't know if everybody out there listening even knows what the Hot Games Room even is. Excellent point, Candice. So, Why don't you tell people what it is? Yeah, yeah. So the Hot Games Room 
is a little conference room or a decent sized conference room in the hotel where BGG Con is. And they have tables set up and all the tables have like really nice table toppers on there um, with cup holders. And then they're kind of pimped out with these BGG colored neoprene, neoprene mats. mats. Yeah. And, and all the newest games from Essen and Gen Con are laid out on the tables. They're all set up. and per- yeah, Permanently yeah, assigned. Permanently to table, right? assigned to a table. And chosen from a poll that you got to vote on at BGG. Uh, BGG uh, uh, yeah, BGG. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and it's just set up, and after you go, you sit down. If there's a table open, you play the game, and then you reset it for the next set of people coming in. But yeah, it's just a, a table of really nice gaming tables with a bunch of cool new games out, and or you yeah. get or in my case, you get in line at seven thirty in the morning uh, <laughs> when there are eight people ahead of you waiting for the game room to open at eight o'clock. And then elbow people out of the way to get to the one game that you want to play that you haven't had a chance to play. It is a it is a tight room. It is it is packed full of people all the time. When people stand up from a game, there is almost always somebody waiting to pounce and sit down and play it right after. And uh, there were a lot of interesting games. Let's start with the very first one. The very first game we played was the only one that didn't appear on the Board Game Geek list. They had a list of the games that were going to be there. And Corrosion, uh, maybe it was a late edition, but the day before the con, uh, I did not see Corrosion on the list. Uh, and Corrosion was a game I uh, mentioned in Game News uh, a month or two ago about something very interesting because it is a Capstone Games release. And as you guys know, I am. Uh, I, I believe in Capstone Games. I think, I think we all do. Their taste I think is we all, yeah. really impeccable, right? Yep. Yep. Crazy totally. good run of it in terms of the games that they have chosen over time. Uh, so we were eager to sit down and try this out. And Corrosion bills itself as a. Uh, engineering game it's a a game in which we are building machines and we are uh upgrading these machines and we are shifting these machines but the name of the game is corrosion so it's back in the 1800s or something along those lines where these machines are failing us they are only going to last a very limited amount of time before they fall apart so can you upgrade them can you get your use out of them and and move them along um which seemed really really interesting to us and then we played the game what do you guys what do you guys think trey why don't you give the 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 first impression of corrosion yeah it's a little bit hard to describe um i'm going to default back to it it's kind of following the same trend as games like trismegistus which are combo games where you're building your own engine and other than we were kind of like there were you know a common board where we were taking elements in order to build our engine that was kind of the extent of the cooperation if i remember correctly now the way that the engine kind of worked could be very clever at times and and like the you know and everything you built also kind of breaks after time hence the kind of corrosion theme which worked as as a theme that said it was not really modeling anything at all, so that's why it kind of it left me in Trismegistus land of inter- what are we even talking about? Yeah, and so kind of low, low, clever, but low interaction, uh, low, low theme. Comp, you know, own engines that are just engines making engines. So I was, I was a little tepid on it. Yeah, I mean, uh, Candace, I want to hear what you hear, but uh, I just want to say that I, I'll tell a little bit more about how the how the game was and how it worked in the sense that uh, you start off with a, a couple of wooden gears. You start off with, uh, with a little bit of money and you have a clock in front of you, essentially a four-segment clock. 
And whenever you take an action to buy a machine or to get gears or things like that, it always goes at the three spot. The four spot is the spot that starts the game facing you. When something, when the, the clock rotates and the four hits a new section, everything in that section fires, everything in that section happens, and then everything in that section essentially dies. Any gears that are left over there are gone. Any machines that are there are gone. So it's this interesting mechanism where you're sort of playing with time to some degree by moving this clock around from time to time in order to trigger things. It's also, by the way, cards. The, your hand of cards that you're playing uh, go out in different spots on the board. The more powerful cards are four away. So it's going to take a long time for that card to come back into your hand. The, the less powerful cards are only two away and very quickly you're going to have those cards so there's a hand management aspect to it candace yeah, what do you and think? Then i was just going to say that about the the engineer cards you're playing which are all female engineers which i really appreciate yeah i think that's really cool um but there's a whole element to the game where the active player is going to pick one of the cards one of the engineer cards from their hand and most of them come in either they're either green orange or blue and then there were some gray ones and yeah. they range from what one to four yes yeah and there were ra rainbow cards too which are yeah that color, could yeah. be could be wild but like let's say i play in orange two um that means everybody has the opportunity to follow the action that's on my orange two card if they have a higher orange card either a three or a four they play a higher yeah card. If they play yeah, it then the they could suit. do the action that i'm doing on my turn so um that was that was kind of neat. Um, it seemed neat. It seemed neat, yeah. Right, because we that seemed like, oh, that's going to be interaction and we're going to be involved on other people's yeah, turns. Yeah, it seemed but neat like about initially. Halfway through, we weren't really doing it. And well, it just kind of seemed annoying. Like, we just wanted to play the game and it's kind of like, okay, I'm doing the thing. Do you follow? Mark, do you follow? Tom, do you follow? Okay. You know, like, and right. so that it started the, in the desire to kind of keep the level of interactivity up between the stuff getting back around to your turn, it ended up kind of being tedious rather than keeping you uh, involved. Yeah, and there was also a thing with uh, water and steam. So mm -hmm. you have on uh, one of your your main uh, your main player board or one of the main player boards, um, you have these little blue water droplets, and um, there's two sides. If they're on the upper tier, they are considered steam, which you can spend to take free actions and trigger yeah. other things. When they're water, they're kind of pointless. So part of the game is you know generating the water droplets from the bottom into steam. Uh, which kind of reminded me of like a yeah, you, you like a Terra Mystica yeah. kind of thing with the power cycling, Real, yeah. you know, a little bit more simplified. And then the other thing is with the game, there are victory point tokens you can get in the game. And there are white ones and there are green ones. And the white ones are the trigger for the end of the game, similar to something like Race for the Galaxy. Galaxy yep. Um, right. Which at some point during the game, I'm like, are we ever going to get through this pile of tokens? <laughs> it like, how welcome are we? Too, right. Like, we, yeah. it felt like when we started playing it, okay, this should be like a good 90 minute game, and then it just kind of stuck around a lot longer. I do, I do it think did. that the core, like maybe if just to explain to people sure. who, who are listening, you kind of are doing one of two things. You were either helping like build your machine, which you do most of the time, yes. and then you or you operate it. Correct. And when you mm -hmm. operate it. All kinds of good things happen, but also like everything ages. And and as Tom was kind of saying, there's four quadrants. So anything that comes in the game is going to be gone in four time periods. But you also get your cards back. 
yep, when correct. that happens, which is I love these yeah. games that kind of model time, uh, like Zulkin. Yeah, and this, and I think so. This had a little bit of, especially with the whole like gears and yeah. connectivity, where they're like the the rotating of the gears is an expression of time, and you kind of choose when you operate, you choose when to advance. Um, and that in itself was was interesting. And yeah. you could kind of push things around a little bit so that they trigger sooner, mm-hmm. um, or they come back into your the cards come back into your hand sooner by spending droplets on your turn. You can kind of like ro- rotate things. I also got you know this is coming from someone who's only played barrage once, but I got kind of a barrage vibe from the there uh, is there the, is a time aspect to that the for sure. tourney board. But um, right. personally, I I wasn't. I wasn't a super big fan of it, you know? Like, if I went to somebody's house to play a game and they were like, this is what we're going to play, I'm happy to play it. Um, But at some point, I was like, "Uh, okay, I don't really need to play this again. I would say this. I I liked the steam and water cycle. I thought that was interesting. The fact that you're trying to build three different types of machines. There are chrome machines, which go on your board and are kind of permanent. There are turning machines, which every time the wheel turns, you're activating it and getting a small bonus from that. So it actually gets four activations before it's destroyed. Um, And then there are the one-shot machines, which are quite powerful, but you you place them and it's four turns before you get to the effect of that machine. And you have to fulfill the requirement on them to even be able to use them. Correct. Yeah. Correct. It's it's a really well constructed and interesting engine that they've created. The only problem is is that it's it, it doesn't interact well with humans. It was not a great. No, listen. I, if you had even half of what the clockwork that these game designers have constructed for this game in a game in which there was true good player interaction, right. you're off to the races. I mean, you have something amazing. The only problem is, is that it ended up being so multiplayer solo that we just weren't particularly interested in it. If you love multiplayer solo and that doesn't stop you at all, I would definitely check it out and, and see what there is yeah, to offer. Because it could be a cool solo experience too. Yeah, because the the it is a very impressive clockwork, I really do think. Yeah, I'm going to be a little more negative just sure. in the sense of like, if that's the standard, if you're saying, hey, you, you actually you enjoy the games that are a little more multiplayer solo, I think we've played better games that answer that here at the con. I don't think Corrosion would be our recommendation. I think our next game, Gutenberg, would be our recommendation for something that's a little bit better huh. that's in the multiplayer. You know, still a lot of the game is taking place on your board. But, but you know what? I, I, maybe I take that back. Gutenberg was much more interactive. It, it was fairly interactive actually there, there were uh, there were more yelling at other people and 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 cursing the fate of what you did <laughs> to me okay, you're right, and right, right, what right. you did than almost any other game we you're played you're still doing so. your own thing on your board yes but we were competing for resources in an interesting way are we ready to talk about gutenberg or do we need to uh no because we have to talk about the game we played wednesday night now, now oh, this, right. is, this is wednesday wednesday we played corrosion but we all arrived you know Candace was already here doing her thing, but but we arrived relatively, you know, midday, later in the day. So we got to play uh, Corrosion, went out to a wonderful dinner, and then we came back and said, what are we going to play? Let's play something light. Let's play something fun. We have six people. Six is always a tough number. We didn't play Gutenberg on Wednesday? No. Okay. Was, all right. Show manager. It's all a blur now. All right. All right. So show manager. Show manager is what we played. Show and manager. I'm assuming the people listening in are saying... What? What the heck is it's that? It's an older game. A lot of people have played it. 
but but show manager is a is a much much older game. It's like, I I want to say. Can you look it up and, and tell us what the sure. the the date is on, on that? But I, I want to say ninety nine, ninety eight. 96 96 there you go Woo! so uh, so it, it's a really it's a, it's an older game by uh, Dirk Hen Dirk Hen famously did uh, Wallenstein right one of oh, my one of my absolute one of my absolute favorite games I absolutely love it and this is a very very light game from him it uh, he and Uva Rosenberg followed a similar sort of trajectory uh, his first Dirk Hen's first big hit was show manager which is this light fun game and then he follows it up with Wallenstein, which is this super heavy, you know, war game slash Euro uh, hybrid. Uh, Uwe Rosenberg had his first hit with Bonanza, yeah. right? A bean trading game, which is kind of fun and light and then follows it up with Agricola, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a show manager, the idea is is that we are, and by the way, there are two editions of it. There is a later edition where they set it on a cruise ship. We played the original edition where we are putting on plays. We are members of musicals, the, musicals, the, theater, theater. Well, not all musicals, okay. right? I don't, I don't think I don't think um, uh, Macbeth or King Lear is. That's true. A, a musical, probably not, but a whole bunch of different things. We are putting on shows. We're show people. <laughs> and we are show managers. We are casting four different shows. Yes, we are. Yes. We have four different shows to cast, and there are six cities we can put these shows into. And the shows range from New York, New York, the Great White Way, Broadway. If we put it on Broadway, guess what? If you end up in the top the slot. The best show on Broadway is 22 points. Huge. Huge. But guess what? The third best show on Broadway, eight points. Fourth best show on Broadway, four points. It drops off a cliff. Well, what it, you do when you play show manager? Yes, when you, on your turn, you yes. are casting an actor, or you're taking an yes. actor in your hand that is going to be cast in one of these plays. So that and there are four spaces of of actors available, and those actors have a variety of skills and talents, and and they are not right for most roles. So each there are four plays we have to put on. We have to put on Wolf, which is a small play with only three actors. The second one is Queenie, which requires four actors. Then comes uh, King Lear, King which Lear. which requires five, and, and then the ballet, and then finally the ballet, which requires a huge company of six actors. Each one of those plays has a different color. So when you're looking at these actor cards, these actor cards, the number value will always equal nine. So there are specialists, like there is the there's an actress who only plays Queenie. And by the way, it's not just in the play Lichine Queenie. Mueller. She only plays that particular role. But guess what? She is worth nine points in that role. Then there are other people that are generalists who uh, he could be this in Wolf. He could be that role in, in King Lear. He could be that role in the, in the ballet. But he only scores three points in each of those categories, right? And what you're trying to do is with your limited budget, because guess what? The the four slots are, the, the bottom one is free, the second one costs $1,000, the third one costs $2,000 and $3,000. Yeah. Uh, you are trying to put together the right cast so that you can finish a production of the show. And the trick is, is that if you cannot put on a show, if you have three more cards than that show requires, so you have to be very, very judicious about the way you put together your team. And invariably, we are just yelling at each other <laughs> for taking the, the actor that we desperately wanted for our show. We are screaming at each other when, we, when you're paying $2,000 to sweep all four actors and oh, deal yeah. out four new actors. When we got hip to the flush. 
we Flush are in the card uh, market. That was a whole thing. We are cursing <laughs> each other's very names when we find out that you are putting your production in Hamburg and knocking my production out of the top slot. <laughs> it was. Uh, I mean, or flushing the cards when there's something I was just about to take. <laughs> what are you doing? And invariably, it's one of those games with a great tension because invariably, you are going to have at least one production where you have to put somebody in that role that doesn't belong, that doesn't score any points whatsoever for that role and is ruining, ruining your production. Uh, what do you guys think? I thought it was super fun. Um, I also like that, you know, at some point, I forget how much money you start with, but at some point you're probably going to need to get some more money. And the way you do that is by taking money, basically points from the value of one of your shows that you've already put on. So maybe if I, you know, maybe I'm doing the best on Broadway with a, a 32 point show, but I need to take some money out so I could, you know, take eight eight thousand dollars and uh drop drop my score down to 24 but then now my ranking changes so you're also thinking about like which shows you put on that you might want to borrow money from and maybe which city you want to put it on because the point values drastically change from city to city in their five different cities ladies and gentlemen in tonight's performance the role formerly played by Lawrence olivier will be played by dustin diamond screech <laughs> from saved by the bell <laughs> <laughs> you cannibalize your own productions to make enough money to put on your other productions. It's a, a fantastic dynamic. Trey, what Trey, what was your thoughts? I had never heard of this game. Um the when you trotted the box out, I was I thought like what are we doing here? <laughs> Come on. I wanna hey, I wanna play a, a social game, but I want I don't want to play something uh that's kind of like Atsy fatsy and stupid. It was a real old I'm, school I'm box. I'm fine with the Atsy fatsy thing, okay? You're fine, you're fine with the Atsy stupid stupid, I don't know. Um but this was elegant. Yes. It was super simple. Like what you're doing on your turn, you're adding an actor to your roster. Like once they're in your hand, for the most part, you're going to cast them in something. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got all four of these plays to cast. And so as the game progresses, you get more and more desperate. That's all you're doing is just adding an actor or putting on a show. That's yep. it. But within those super simple mechanisms, it was incredibly rich in what the, you know, the agony of what other people were doing as mm -hmm. you competed over these actors. And so I thought this was a great example because, you know, maybe to sideline the conversation a little bit here, I think we, one of the things we talked about a lot this weekend or that I've ranted about is the trend in a lot of the games we've seen getting more ornate or more Baroque, having so many more bells and whistles and mechanisms and little extra things. And I think we've always, uh, we've tried on this podcast to always be kind of pushing for some happy goal of elegance, yes. you know, yeah. of, you know, it, is the weight of the mechanisms in line with what the game is trying to do and trying to achieve. And a great game can be a simple game. And I think this is a great game. And I, it's like, yeah. how have I not known about Show Manager? I'm dying to get a copy and, and play it with, but I could play this game with a lot of different people. Your family, totally. Thanksgiving. Absolutely. It's it could, really you, easy to teach. 
and, and an absolute blast. And we had a, <laughs> so we had to come we had all the way to Dallas in twenty twenty one in order to discover a, a game from a nineteen ninety six. Well, yeah. here's the problem: I've played the cruise ship version, and I much preferred this version of it. But I had never played this version of it. I played the other version of it. What would you call this art great. style? This is almost like uh, caricature, caricature. Yeah. It's kind of like it's the Sardis. kind of art you would get at a, like at an amusement park where someone would sit down and and and, and chalk you in five minutes, or it's the kind of artwork that would appear on like the walls of a palm steakhouse yeah it kind reminds, of it's caricature well, art and every card has different art right yeah it's the, crazy there's a famous restaurant in new york city on uh, 43rd i believe called sardi's and that's uh-huh. where everybody after the opening night of your play pretty much you go to sardi's that's where you have your meal that's where you have your drinks and that's where you where you wait for the first papers to come in uh, at 3 a.m for to get the reviews of your play and on all the walls in Sardis are these caricatures of every Broadway actor that 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 has ever been. It is like a colorized version of that. It's fun. It knows what it is. Yeah. The, the game literally knows what it is. And it was one of our favorite games. <laughs> yeah, we we had such a blast with it. The other the other challenge is you know, you only can take a limited amount of cards into your hand yep. and you get a bonus if you're able to get all cast all of the right characters so you're really trying to make sure you're sweating you know it. yeah sweating you're, you're, you're sweating it and you're looking as those characters come out into the card market and seeing what people do and ah uh, yeah it, it's it's super fun couldn't recommend it more highly and even the cruise ship version is still a great game i, I just slightly prefer the theming of the putting on the shows Anyway, that was show manager. Um, the next morning, we got up and uh, got into that hot games room, and we saw a copy of Gutenberg that had no one sitting at the table yet. We sat down, and we played it. I talked about this probably a month or two ago in the in, in the game news, talking about how what an interesting production it looked like. I said that there are these wooden type blocks that are the movable type that you put in in, in printers. There are wheels that are or cogs that one wheel turns the other. Turns the other i said it looks really really interesting and i'm dying to try it and sure enough we tried it uh candace why don't you tell us about uh, gutenberg um no tom <laughs> I, I won't do that because, <laughs> because i did not she play. was working that was morning working. so didn't get to play gutenberg like 10 well, jobs it seems sometimes mean, tom. look i know what i want to <laughs> say is is that is that trey and i, I heard are, good things are, about it i heard good things about it and i'm curious to try it and i might yeah. try it before i get you know before i head out trey <laughs> tell, us, tell us about gutenberg in Gut- Gutenberg, for one thing, it's pretty. It's a. It's a pretty. Although it's yeah. it's fairly monochromatic. It, it it evokes kind of an old early printing woodcutty kind of feel. Um, and the thing the thing is, is like you you're doing your own thing on your own board, but every single step of the game, you are competing to take a certain element that you will use in your printing. And if there's four players, there's going to be four elements. And so probably the most unique thing about this game for me was a kind of blind bidding that you did um, before, you know, before you do a reveal, you have only a, a limited number of cubes, like nine cubes to do five actions. And the more cube or something like that. Action importance programming, really. Yeah, kind of, like right? you, if you, of the like five different actions you can do, you can assign zero cubes and not do the action. If you assign a single cube, you will do the action. It's just a question of when you do the action. And if it, as you assign more cubes, you're essentially bidding more for priority on that action with the idea that first player is going to win all ties or like turn order will determine 
all ties. But the top of the turn order only gets seven cubes. Right. And the fourth player gets ten cubes and so on and so forth in between. So you get more cubes later on, but you have to pick your battles because everywhere you tie, you go last. It worked beautifully in that when you are deciding how to program that board of your cubes, you are both deciding what do I need, but you also have to be even more aware of what other people are prioritizing themselves because you it's all an auction. And if you spend four cubes on an action that you think is absolutely essential and everybody else just bid one, then that was a bit of a waste. It's also the case, as it happened to me, you can put four cubes on an action that you think is really important to you and you go last because everyone <laughs> put in more cubes than you did. And all that was a waste as as well. And that is an inc- that's actually a very fun thing. Yes, it, it was. It is great because you do it behind a screen. <laughs> so it's blind bidding, which can rub some people the wrong way, but guess what? Blind bidding this is, is doing it right. This is, is it's dramatic and it is not entirely blind because you can look at other people's boards and see what they need. Right. You can see what people You're rewarded are after. for no understanding what other people's games are. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the the idea is that you're going to pick up orders, and the orders are a list of the blocks that you need, and then the other the adornments that you need and sometimes the adornments are you need these two colors of ink sometimes they are you need to be at level three or higher in book binding right it tells you what you need to do um and then you have to pick up the ink because you got to do that and then you have to pick you have to raise your specialty your experience in these different categories so that you can meet these requirements and all that sort of stuff um and then eventually you're going to need to get those movable type blocks, those beautiful wooden blocks, which are really, really amazing. The thing is, is that there is no action space to get blocks. You have to spend money. And it's really the only purpose for money, really, in the game is that. And the way it works is you start with three blocks. And to get a fourth block, it costs, fourth block, it costs four. Your fifth block costs five, six, and so on. So you are completing these projects in order to Orders, get the yep. money in order to get the money to buy more blocks, to compete more projects, and at the same time picking up dribs and drabs of victory points on the side, hoping to get the big sponsors, the big patrons uh, uh, later in the game that are going to really score you points. Um, it's a medium-weight game. Yeah. So it is not exactly our sweet spot, right? It's not a heavy game. It is a, it is a medium-weight game. Um, I think we found that the gear mechanism, while well well done, was probably unnecessary. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, it didn't. It didn't throw me. I mean, it has because you essentially do like five different printery things. Tom was you were mentioning some of them, but it's like there's all the different printery things them, yeah. that you do, and one of them is kind of like linking these gears that can generate some some powers for you. It's fine. I, I didn't think that was anything no. special. Where I thought this game shined was both in the the blind bidding and then once you are actually moving through each of these steps as you go through the five different kinds of printery things that you want to do. You've got your eye on the thing that you want. Mm-hmm. And you, so that's a nice moment of tension as you're waiting, and you're like, "Don't take that one! Don't take that one! Don't, 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 don't take that one!" <laughs> and at one point, Trey saw me looking at his board. He's like, "Don't look at my board! What are you looking at my board for?" <laughs> right? Because you could look over. It's like, "Oh, Trey needs blue ink bad." <laughs> and it was ex- business. Bad. And I go and I bid one more cube than he did on the ink selection, oh. and went right before him, and I said. Trey, well, you I, were like, I don't need any ink. Yeah, I said, but I Trey needs blue ink. 
<laughs> I could take any of these, but I think I'm going to take this one. He's like, you son of a... <laughs> you hate to see it. Yeah. So, listen, I, I don't and, think... And that's fun for us. It is. That's it's fun. It's so, it, listen, that, that's, the, that's the good... Uh, that's the good horrible thing about games right good tension good competition is is wonderful this game for a medium weight game has got a lot of it has got a lot of it 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 is a little lighter than the types of games we normally play but i will tell you this um for people that are into more medium weight and less less heavy games this is a game you should seriously consider you should seriously play and you should seriously check out and then consider buying because it has got some good competition, some good decision space, and it, it and it is relatively rules light. You can teach this game pretty darn quickly, get people up to speed. And if I'm playing with family that who want to play a strategy game but aren't really <laughs> Daddy, into the we heavy need stuff, to play a printer game. Well, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> the the one problem I have with the game is that I'm sitting down to a game called Gutenberg, and there's no police academy. There is no three men and a baby. I don't understand why, what the theme has to do with the game, but that's just me. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we then moved on to another game Candace didn't play. My goodness, we didn't and see each other that day. I was so sad to not play this game. Uh, Boone Lake, ladies and gentlemen. Boone <laughs> Lake is the next game we played. That is the highly anticipated Alexander Fister game. Um Boon Lake is an area. It is a territory. There are actually four territories on this map in the uh, undefined southwest. And we have a hand of... It is. It absolutely is. After Maracaibo, clearly Fister is doing not a real place land. The game might as, the game might as well be called not a real place land. Not a real not place. Not actual cultures that I can... <laughs> mangle in any way or represent actual safe. human history safe. in any way game that's and what this, that's what boon lake is and like an alexander fister game it's got a lot of interesting things to it uh first thing is action selection there you have a hand of cards uh but the action selection is a board on the side that has these tiles and when you choose one of the tiles that's the action you're going to take and then that is going to go down to the bottom of the board and slide up the higher the tile goes the more the secondary action that you're going to get is worth and that is moving your boat down this winding river that goes through the territory moving the boat farther uh to some degree gets to better spaces that give you better rewards uh, it also speeds up the game because the clock of the game is getting through the four dams of the game at which point each dam is a medium scoring opportunity right not the end game scoring but a pretty significant uh, a scoring opportunity in the game now these tiles that you're choosing are of several varieties there is morning noon and and uh, night essentially or, or day dusk and and night is what you're choosing and that corresponds to the card that you're able to play. If you choose a knight action because you really want to take that action, but you don't have any knight cards to play, well, guess what? You're just missing out on one of the many, 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 many synergies in the game and what it allows you to do. And a lot of the actions of the game are going to involve developing the land and putting things onto that land. There are going to be pastures, which you're going to want to put uh, put cows on. There are going to be uh, land spaces where you're going to want to put settlers, then houses, then uh, factories or uh, meat plants or whatever, whatever you want to call those sorts of things. And you are developing the land. And the more you do, uh, 
the more victory points that is going to unlock. There are also a lot of cards that have a lot of victory points on them and a lot of variable abilities that all comes together in a very Alexander Fister-esque stew. Uh, anything left out that we should we should talk about? I mean, they're the, they're the, the levers. No, I want to get Candace in here on talking about games that she's, she's actually played. I, I think this game's going to be a little like I think the the range of people of reaction to this game will be pretty wide. Yeah, because I, I can absolutely see some people really loving this game. If you are a Fister fan and you loved Maracaibo, I think you'll really like this. Yeah, um, Fister has has been losing me. Uh, I you know I I love Great Western Trail. Um, also. What's what the M game that we like? Mombasa. Mombasa, yeah. I think, is also really very strong. I, I think that his, the recent trend, like I recognize this as good games. They're also like not for me. Um, this game was painful. It's not the direction I want game games to be going. I felt a little bit trapped. Tom did really well. Yeah. Uh, but you also kind of like I think your reaction at the end of it was like you feel like oh I've I've you played it, it already. Checked. I mean it's a little <laughs> bit of a joke, but. Um, it is what, what what my true reaction to it is is that for the first three quarters of the game I really enjoyed it and mm-hmm. I thought it was great and then it felt to me like the game became untethered it felt to me like the game uh, that that the tension that I was enjoying in the game up to that point um, I had gotten past and now it was just unbridled scoring. I'm scoring so many points through so many right. combinations late in the game that <laughs> Yeah, the, look that, left, score ten points, look up, score ten. I mean it's anything you were doing just scoring a lot of points. Tons That's of there was a huge point range. Yes. Like the, I, I, yeah, I think I scored almost a hundred points, you know, like almost two hundred. You almost lap you had yes. lapped me at one point and then I was able to like get unlapped at the end and that felt like okay. I avoid, you know, avoided the cone of shame, yeah, uh, but almost double, almost double the score. So it, it, it's, it's, and that's because of that effect that I'm saying that I, that I found the synergies in the game, and rather than listen, some people like that. Some people like an engine builder where you go from nothing to supreme dominance of the universe. I'm not that kind of. I think Paul mentioned that I'm not that kind of player. I'm the kind of player that that's normal plus. I just I want I want there to be a challenge all through the game. Is there a chance that like there were mistakes made? Of course, of course there is. That 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 might have made that snowball happen, or were oh, you, in terms of understanding rules, maybe. I'm Apple, only asking because I played a game of Viticulture Tuscany, my very first game one time, and the person who taught us like broke some rule with a card and ended sure, up like sure, kind of sure. snowball winning the game. And then I like read the rules and I was like, oh, you weren't supposed to do that. Well, there were four of us playing and two of us found the the magic bell that allowed us to hmm. almost to double cheat. the yeah, to to cheat, flog, flog your engine and flog your engine and flog <laughs> there, your engine. Flog there was two people in the 200s hmm. and two people like High in the 300s. In, yeah. yeah, exactly. It was it was a very, very... Uh, so I so I doubt it, but it's definitely possible, yeah. and that's why we say these are not reviews. This is these yep. are first right, impressions. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna and play we, it too. And you should, you absolutely should, and you, and and I wouldn't say it, someone was wrong for really liking it. I was definitely doing a lot of things. A lot of cards were being played. There was a huge stack of both discarded cards that like I got money for, and cards that I played that I got points for. Um, and there was strategy, like you did things became. Like yeah. you did certain things, like you got the right lever so that when we scored regions, you were getting points and not just money early yep. on. And yep. then that was happening four times. And that maybe that's like you just 
knew that that was going to be really great. And it's a, it's listen, but, and it's a personal choice to some degree. It's like a personal preference. I like games that have combos, but the combos for me can overwhelm the game experience if I feel like, wow, I'm getting so many points here. That at a certain point, just the way I'm built, that's no longer pleasurable because I feel like I'm no longer having a challenge. I'm simply saying, oh, you know what? I can score 30 points this way or 25 this way. I'll go with the 30. Right. That's just not tremendously pleasurable to me. And this is based on a first impression. I want to play it again. I like the design of it. I like the idea of it. I did not like the way it ended. It felt like that. Right. It felt like the game kind of got away from itself. Okay, here's my positive. Yeah. thing about the game uh the game uh, on on its most basic level is kind of like a land development yeah. game you're starting at the head of a river and you're going to kind of flow down um but that's also you're opening up like hexes you can't just build anywhere and there's actually quite a finite amount of land to develop in the game you run and out of it yeah yeah and so it, it unlike something like Fayum or my criticism of Fayum, where like you're just putting stuff on the board and if the stuff's on the board then you can do the thing that your card tells you to do but like what's actually happened the board doesn't mean a whole lot this game actually has more in common with like a terraforming mars where like your placements on the map matter yes adjacency matters you were scoring a lot of points off cattle that were next to settlements that you had built that was kind of like multiplying the points and and you and the other player who did well um were actively competing over land and 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 growing your your cattle and it's like and like having played it now, I was like, oh, well, that's where the real game was, and it's where it should be. Yeah. And that was more interactive. So that would be a, a positive. Is like the more that that game was actually like played on the board in a common contested area, that was what's interesting to me. What's not interesting to me is I played this card, and that's going to give me three gold, so I can play that card. And yeah. you know, and you kind of just you're chaining cards, and that happened across the table all the time. It's like I don't know what they're doing over there. <laughs> they played three different cards. They moved some resources. You know, but it it has nothing to do with me. Yeah, listen for for me, corrosion. I've played enough to know that it's not it's not a game for me. Uh, Gutenberg. I've played enough to know that it's not a mainstay or a standard, but it's a game that I would that would happily. Yeah, play. we'll get that. We'll Absolutely. Get uh, and I would say Boom Lake so far is a game I have to play more. I simply have to play more. There are so many interesting things in the game that I cannot really opine definitively based on one play experience. So we will do a follow-up review with Candace. 100% when she's, play, when yeah. she's, she's played it yeah. and can provide a different you know perspective i definitely i'm a big alexander fister fan so i'm Woo! coming in with the bias yeah um but i would say great western trail and mombasa are what do we what do we call alexander too. fister fans <laughs> Fisties? We're, not gonna, you? we're not gonna talk about that we're not, we're not, you're not getting wow. me you're not getting me to bite on that are you kidding me all right but then finally candace finished up all of her boring work for the day yes. and got to come and game with us and play and one I of the games the table too you i was did. like Ooh. You, Ark Nova is open over there. And by the way, we had played Gutenberg and then moved immediately into Boone Lake and then we moved immediately, immediately. <laughs> into this next game. And Trey was like, I don't think I can do this. And we were like, Trey, you're doing this. Yep, <laughs> you, pretty much. You gotta. And by the way, rallied, really rallied yeah. because and, and I yeah. think the game helped rally us. Tell us about Ark Nova. Okay, well, in Ark Nova, we are building zoos. And the object of the game is to kind of gain a bunch of appeal for your zoo and conservation points because there are two tracks that are kind of opposed 
And when they meet for any player, that's going to be the trigger of the end of the game. Which we know from... Rajas of the Ganges. Exactly right. Um, This game has a ton of cards, and a lot of people here have been kind of comparing it to Terraforming Mars a bit, and... I completely agree in some respects um, that some of the card play is similar and some of the kind of engine you can build with your different cards is similar. But everybody has their own player boards um, that are these tiny hexes of like water spaces and land spaces, some that have bonuses. And you're going to be laying these zoo enclosures and kiosks and different... Yeah, this uh, is almost like Agricola style. You're going to build your own zoo. Don't don't ruin it for me like that. No. You still haven't even <laughs> played I'm, I'm Agricola. I played Agricola. Once. I said okay, I, you don't I like played it. it a couple times. I, don't, I just don't love it. I'll put it in oh a different way. <laughs> it is very sandboxy. You yes. can do okay, a lot yes. of different things. Yes. yes. Uh, you can do a lot of things. And there are a lot of... It was very overwhelming to kind of look at as we were getting started. It's a lot. But I would say like a couple rounds in, I was very excited and my brain was kind of buzzing in a way that it definitely was not when I was playing Corrosion. Yeah. So I was I was pretty excited about it. Um, I think there are uh, a lot of different things like you can, you know, you get some kind of like end game scoring objective like mine was to collect, uh, have a lot of small animals in my zoo and to like play different animal cards. I guess I should say the cards are like you have these sponsors you can get that kind of give you a special power. Then you have a bunch of different types of animals that have a lot of iconography. They could be from different regions. Uh, there are a lot of there, icons. There are, that, there are little right? symbols on the top. There are symbols on the bottom. Now, listen, that's... Uh, when I played Race for Gal- Race for the Galaxy the first time, right. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play this. There's so many symbols, and they're what everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I, and I feel this game feels like that at first, and might very well be like Race for the Galaxy, in that once you once it rock it, and yeah. Yeah, just, but this is not wingspan. This is not this is like this not is not going to be easy be just fooled. to get this on the kitchen table <laughs> with you know the neighbors who came over and you know they played Catan once. Like, yeah, it's a, it's it's not a this lot one. to kind of like soak in. Terraforming and I mean, Mars is the closest analogy, yep. right? I think so. Definitely. I think so. But it's definitely like a little bit on steroids for terraforming. Talk Mars, about the uh, the action system. Oh, the action system. Yes, um, that's probably one of the things I like the most about it. Yeah. So it uses a card. Uh, uh, action selection similar to um, Civilization A New Dawn where you have a row of in this game you have five different cards that are actions and you know the the further to the right like if it's in your cards in slot five it's going to be strongest in slot five versus having that card to take the action in slot one and when you take an action with a card you just kind of like pull it down from whatever slot it's in you take your action and then that card gets slid to the front of the row and every other card slides right to fill in the gap um also throughout the game you can upgrade these cards to be like more powerful actions which is really really cool um and it's it's actually probably one of the things i love most about civilization and new dawn um so i'm glad to see someone kind of like reusing that card play mechanism 100 percent, and i think it also is a very respectful game in that uh the the two tracks that you're trying to have meet to trigger the end of the game and to score points by the way because the only way you score points in the game is if your two tracks have passed each other the difference between the two tracks 
is your is your victory point score at the end of the game. I think that's fantastic. And the two tracks are what? The two tracks are appeal, appeal and conservation, and conservation points. points. Right. So, and a lot of the game is picking up alliances with zoos in Australia, with zoos in Africa, Africa. with zoos in Asia. all these sorts of places. A lot of the, there are conservation projects that, that go out there on the board. It feels, the animals that come out have beautiful pictures of them and descriptions of what those animals are like. And it, it in it, that way it is like wingspan yeah this, this yeah, game has that, tremendous that very wingspanning it's a bit much busier yeah. oh yeah but the visual appeal of this game is very high yes it's a people will stop when they're walking by because you're yes. both looking the at cards the layout of your zoo animals and the uh, and you will have a menagerie as yeah. at the end of the game you know you will have a collection of animals that really reflect what your zoo is trying to do like tom for example you had a high predator like you were all yes. about predators yes uh, Trey I started, threw his snake and constricted our actions at some point. Oh, well, that was a pivot. Was I started. I, I was, was a, bird, a birder. I was a bird man starting off, but then I had to pivot <laughs> to reptiles because that's what was available. Yeah, birds were kind of shut out for the mid game, and um, and there, it actually it does have. I don't know if you could say it's a wingspan type of thing, but there this game does have. It was kind of surprising. It does have some Ameritrashy elements in that you you some of the uh, animals you you take can do negative things to other players which to me again felt like terraforming Mars oh, yeah, in the way killing that like people's plants yeah, yeah. The yeah. Me- like what meteors and some of the cards do in, in terraforming Mars where it like took a few bucks from Trey maybe yeah, dominant a species a little bit too yeah yeah in yeah a weird way that it's this game that seems to be mostly nice and interesting and, and cerebral and then just got some some ways to punch people in the nose it, a little bit it has some bashy but I'm okay with it I think like I, I, yeah. I disliked that about terraforming Mars when I first played it but then I learned to be like, oh, well, they kind of need, like, you can't just have runaway plants. I you mean, gotta, like, you, you need to be able to, you gotta slow plants down. You didn't seem okay when I took that $5 from you, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when people punch me in the face. The other thing that was, I thought was interesting is one of the actions is um, to break and there's like a coffee cup that's in the center of this long right. game board and every time somebody breaks you know there's a certain value usually it typically is a break two but you could it could be a break five and you could collect five income or you can get cards but as you're doing it it's pushing this uh this track up that's kind of the timer that says hey this is the end of the round and now we do a bunch of maintenancey things and you can Take collect income, income yeah. based on your appeal and then the different kiosks you have that are however many tiles are surrounding it that are enclosed with animals uh, a lot of different like fun thematic stuff but I, I, I like that timing of like oh is that break gonna happen right now should I try to get that other kiosk so I can make a, you know sometimes couple, you couple more bucks and yes. it, and or sometimes you force like the break it, it feels like the, the whistle is blown and everyone's like look union rules we gotta be able to do, get a coffee break have a donut <laughs> relax a little bit and then we're gonna you know and, and some things literally push the break faster like I had the cougar and the cougar added like three or four to the break because it's such a pain in the butt to deal with that you just have to like uh, uh, you know what I'm I'm gonna this need cougar is working your last nerve I'm gonna need to, I'm gonna need to take a, I'm gonna need to end my shift a little early today. Um, it, it's a really interesting game. I will say that that at the start of it, we felt a little frustrated. Like we wanted to do things, and we were having a hard time figuring out how to it's do them. And I think we were arguing about because they actually for this particular game they did have like a starting setup which you don't need to do at all. But it did give us it some helped str- me. We, and we, it helped me. It helped me too. I felt to have a little bit of structure because it's so sandboxy that it could be, especially with that teach. It's a bit of a bear of a teach because there's a lot going yes. on. 
I, for me though, like this, all the stuff going on. By the time we had finished the game or getting got near the end of the game, I felt like okay, okay, I got it. Let's yeah. play again. I got it now. Let's tr- and let's so, try and, it for and real. so, like of the games that we played, like I think this is the one I'm most eager to play again and explore the space. I think if you're a terraforming Mars fan, it is a high recommend for like I don't know if you're going to love it but you need to play it and find yeah. out if you're going to love it. It is heavier than it it is a little bit heavier than Terraforming Mars though. Maybe I think. I'm not sure. I, th- I think for people that are Terraforming Mars fans that's going to be a plus. Yeah. Yeah. Here's why I don't think that's true. In Terraforming Mars you're playing cards, you're doing things on your own personal board but most of the action is on a shared board and that is player versus player getting the space and you don't get that space this is you're playing your own personal board so that's a little more multiplayer solitaire than than terraforming mars but there's so much going on like you have these the different sponsors and then you could get the schools and you know and maybe it's like i'm not familiar with the cards but the iconography on the cards seems a little crazier to me overall than than terraforming mars yeah i have two words penguin house Penguin House. I stole Trey's Penguin House. He was the bird man. And I saw this Penguin amazing, House would have made my game. Uh, I saw this amazing card for a person that was specializing in birds. And I made sure that Trey to my left never got it. <laughs> never got it. I would also say, too, that, like, you know, uh, Matt played, and Matt doesn't play as many heavy games, nearly as many, like, heavy games mm-hmm. as we, I mean, I played Kanban EV with him and nearly scared him off, um, but he was kind of struggling with it complexity-wise for yeah. a while, and I think it was something, like, had we all known, like, we were all trying to figure it out ourselves, yeah. but had we known better, we would have been able to, like, make it a little bit of a better experience for him. Yeah. Um, we but also have I, to say that there's a second, the second caveat is, is that here at the con, we are trying to learn games in real time as yeah. we're teaching them. I watched the video before I read the rules of the game, but still trying to teach the game when I've just come out of two other games oh, yeah. and are jumping right into another one. It wasn't a very good teach. So it's not, oh, no, you did, you did fine. But I think like for, again, for people who play a lot of games, a lot more games than Matt does, like we were able to like, you know, we, we all kind of got there yeah. together, but I saw his, his brain was like burning a little bit, but I think he still, he still enjoyed he got it. There. Um, yeah. But I guess, again, in terms of complexity, I think if, if I was throwing terraforming Mars at him for the first time, it would have been a little easier. Like, I, I think this is a little, a, a, there's a bit more going on. It might've been a longer teach slightly, but yeah, listen, uh, all I'm saying, I, you know, I wasn't fishing for a compliment. I'm happy with what I caught. Uh, but <laughs> it is one? one of those. <laughs> you said you did a very good job teaching it. I was like, I don't think I did. Uh, but it is, I want to play this game again because I'm not sure how I feel about this game, to be honest with you. Yeah. I I like the potential of it. I'm not sure I'm going to end up loving this game. So we'll see. Yeah, like who knows if it's going to be a keeper forever, but I definitely feel the same way. Like I said, I was, I was kind of buzzing with enjoyment as I was. Yeah. Like, as I was figuring it out, again, I love the card action selection, yep. you know, and figuring out, like, what you could do with those sponsors. And then there are these different, uh, like, scoring cards that give you conservation points that come out. Yep. And there's kind of a race to get one of your cubes out on them. It's costly to take that action, but you're also getting more conservation points. You're getting yep. a cube off, which might give you some, like, cool instant effect or income so, yeah, there are a lot of, like, really cool things. I, I definitely enjoyed this game and want to play it again. 100%. I, I'm yeah. enthralled by the potential of the game. 
I'm enthralled by it, and I, I hope that it continues to because I enjoyed very much the first play of it, and I hope I continue to enjoy it. But I, um, I'm just there's a little part of me is like maybe this isn't gonna have maybe this isn't gonna replace so great, but we'll see. Looking forward to it. Um, then we uh, ran into uh, a friend of ours, Ryan Shoon. Um, Ryan Shoon is from Man vs. Meeple. You've probably seen him on that channel. Uh, Trey and I knew him uh, before he was ever a part of Man vs. Meeple. He would come to our LARPs at Gen Con. And, uh, we, yeah, I don't know about the timing. But yeah, we know him from Gen Con. Oh, it was. It was before that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's was, game designer. He does. What does he do? Yeah, he's a game journalist uh, yeah. now. I mean, throw a rock in this place and you're going to hit one. Uh, but uh, no, <laughs> sorry, Candace. No, no, no. He's he's a games he's a games journalist, a game reviewer. Um, he's prolific on Man vs. Meeple. He does a lot of a lot of game reviews, uh, and uh, just a great guy. We went out to dinner with him, and uh, at dinner, what was the name of the restaurant? The Rodeo Goat. Rodeo Goat. Rodeo we went goat. to the old Rodeo Goat. I had a sugar burger. It was everything that I ever wished a burger could be. I got harassed because I took the bacon off of my burger. Just not into breakfast meats. <laughs> and uh, no, I, I, there's some judging I will eyes do better. right now. I will do better. I will not <laughs> bacon shame you. And then I made a very, a very bad bet with Trey. Oh. I lost 20 bucks, ladies and gentlemen. I lost 20 bucks to Trey. Um, there was a, a, a person in our entourage um, who was... Uh, there's a game there. Yeah. By the way, very good burger. This Californian approves of this Texas burger. Because I think Californians, we think we have the best burgers. We have pretty good burgers. We, we do. We, we uh, still, we but still this do. is These very good. Quite good. Rodeo Goat is very, very good burger. But they had oh, off to the side, they had a one of these games where you are swinging essentially like a, a ring, a metal ring, and you have to swing it. On a very, very long rope that goes all the way up to a 20-foot high ceiling. And have the thing land hook. on a hook. Yeah, uh, there that's, are, like, that's, there's a hook. That's in the wall. And... Uh, we had a veteran, a friend of Ryan's, go up and say, oh, I used to do this all the time. And he did about 10 swings, and he did not get it, but he, he did hit the hook once. Yes. And, and based upon this, Tom said, I bet you can't hit the yeah, you got the hook. five tries that I give you? Or did I give you we had $20 that I could do it in, in five tries, I think. Yeah, I think yes. it was five tries. Trey hit the damn hook in the second so try. I said, I think you messed up. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, he hit the hook. The game is called Buddy Toss. It is ridiculous. Buddy and Toss, yet, right. And yet we spent a half an hour of all of us trying to but do that But then Trey was thing. the only one that actually hit it he, before we left. On the second try. On the second try, but yes. but right after I tried, and you saw my technique. That's exactly saw my what technique, gave me all the inspiration took it I needed. And then just, yeah. I saw everyone it. struggle. And then I stepped up and, and nailed it. Now, in Tom's <laughs> you, you defense the hero here, we needed. Tom, this may be the only time in our entire relationship dating back to 1987 in which I won a bar game. Yeah, that might be true. Because <laughs> Tom, anything, any game that takes place in a bar that's near drinking, pool, darts, if you could hold skee-ball, yeah. uh, <laughs> What's the thing with the sand? Shuffleboard. Shuffleboard. Bar shuffleboard. Cornhole. Yeah. If, uh, yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Crokinole, all that. If you, yes. can, if you can hold a beer and play it. Um, <laughs> this is where I, Tom excels. I have, uh, I, listen, Thomas Dean Patrick Donnelly, I have a genetic predisposition to being amazing at these games. And it, it is true. But, but you, man, Buddy Toss. I mean, well, I know you're really. Trey's from Texas he's, originally, he's, so he just listen, had it. Trey is really good at Agricola, but we've always said we haven't quite found what Trey's perfect game is. It is Buddy Toss. You are, 
a marvel. I I'm not glad be- I was here to witness it too. We tried. It had to be about a hundred times between our whole party. We had like eight, nine people eating. Nobody got it. A hundred times trying to get that thing on the hook. Trey tried it twice and got it on the hook. It's Following my technique. Amazing. Yep. Maybe we need to change my name on the on the website to <laughs> Buddy Tossmaster. Buddy, Buddy Tossmaster. <laughs> uh, then we went and we played. Uh, uh, we wanted 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 to play show manager again, uh, but we had like nine <laughs> people because we had we had Ryan and and his friends and our friends and. Uh, we ended up playing Wavelength and Wits and Wagers, two party games. Candace, had you played either of them? I had only, so I picked up Wavelength from Game Brain Recommendation. Yep. And uh, played it with like four players. So like, we didn't really like do it, do it. Um, but I've checked it out before, but that was my first real Wavelength experience. <laughs> and How was it? I want to say it was great. It was great. I mean, my team nailed my clue of, what was it? Um, smells bad versus smells Sm- really good no, or something. Uh, no, was it um funky? It's something like funky, but good smell, smell, bad smell. Yeah, it was good like a sm- bad smell, good smell meter. Smells, but it, smelly no, but in a good way, smelly in a bad. That's way. what yes. it was. Smelly in a good way, smelly in a smelly bad way. Smelly in a good way, smelly in a bad way. And my clue was gasoline. Yep. And they figured it out. They nailed I it. I think like Which gasoline. was vaguely positive, right? Yes, it was slightly, slightly positive. Now, That's Paul, how I... Paul's been trying to gaslight me for some time in saying that I'm horrible at this game. That's because you're horrible at this game. I don't believe that I am, but the evidence is mounting that I am horribly incorrect. <laughs> I mean, your, your team didn't do all that well. The expression is scoreboard. Until the last, until the last time when Mark now... Did, did did a clue and my team was saying nope that's not where it should be that's not where it should be and I said listen I've been listening to you this whole time and <laughs> I, I have to go I have to to insist that it's here boom nailed it so uh, yeah Wavelength played really well we had like nine ten people yeah it still was great such a great game and then such it was my game. first time playing Wits and Wagers which is I know is a classic amazing uh, just a wonderful game you guys did really well in that you kept getting money all through the game oh I was like did we we were Not we were poor guessers. Not in the end. When I was trying well, to say that Michael Jordan got Yes, you, we found out that Candace doesn't really know anything about basketball <laughs> or Michael Jordan. Oh my god. And, and somehow Mark now does because because it was how many points has did Michael Jordan average, average. over his entire NBA career? Per game. Per game. And then Mark being the wise ass that he is said, Well, are there decimal points? Are there decimal points in this game? And I said, I don't know, maybe not. You know, you probably just give a whole number and you'll be fine. He goes, think about use a decimal point. He put thirty point one with a <laughs> with that smug smirk on his face, like I'm just messing with you. And then the answer ended up being thirty point one two. And by the way, he was shocked. He had no idea. Like he, he did a lap. He did a victory lap. He did a victory lap. Yep. He did a victory lap. <laughs> it was astonishing. Uh, and then the other most memorable moment for me in it was at the end, we were guessing the empty weight of a 747, and there were there was a huge difference between the second highest <laughs> answer, which was my answer, and the highest answer, which was Trey's answer. I think I had like 70,000 pounds, and Trey had 200,000 pounds or something along yep, those lines. over 200,000 pounds. Yep. And Trey was advocating strongly for his answer to me. I was not, I did not figure in the win. It was between you and Mark. Correct. For the win, I had already made my bet. Everyone had made their bet. You were making the final bet. And I did a weird thing, which is I tried to help you legitimately. Which I believed was a trap. (laughs) 
I was sure that it's like Avalon changes everything. Get get behind me, Satan. I know what you're doing. I know you're trying to give give Mark the victory by getting me to bet on your nonsense answer. And Trey's answer was half the weight of of an empty seven forty seven. He was so over, dead on over right. four hundred thousand pounds. Yeah. Yes, four hundred thousand pounds for an empty seven forty seven. It's it's a wonderful wonderful game because it's a trivia game that turns trivia on its head. It's not a, necessarily so much about knowing a lot about things, but being able to figure things out about something that is relatively unknowable to some degree, and then. It's not just that, it's gambling. but it's also it's it's but it's gambling on people. It's yeah. like I'm not really betting on the number as much as I'm betting on the person that I think knows what the heck they're talking yeah. about, right? Yep. yep. It's amazing. The amazing. game also got one of the answers wrong. We actually caught the game oh, in an incorrect yep. answer. Yep. Yes. The width of the Sphinx. Meters versus feet. Yeah, they yes. confused meters and feet. Uh, so. Which which actually got me the correct answer because I knew the I knew the width of the Sphinx. Yeah, we had to we had to rewind. Yeah, or the maybe, whole thing maybe because I Dimwits Wikipedia wagers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the next day, uh, we started off with Imperial Steam Confession Time. Uh, we've reviewed Imperial Steam on this podcast. It has been played many times at game night. I have always been on the other game. This is right. my first play of Imperial Steam. And um, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to let you know, I'm probably not leaving my wife, but I have a new love in my life and it is Imperial Steam. I love that game. It's amazing. <laughs> so good. Amazing. We don't have to talk too much about it because but it should have been it. it should have been a hot game. That's it, one of those yeah, things we look, we look at the so hot games room. I thought it was so strange that it wasn't in the hot games room. Should have been. Should have been. Like, do we need to champion this game more? Because I don't feel like it's it's not like it's been out for a long time. No. They had, you no. know, there are games in the hot games room that... Um, What's the uh, tech tree game that... Uh, oh, Beyond the, Beyond the Sun. Beyond the Sun was... Two tables was of Furnace? Yeah. Oh, Listen, it, I yeah, love Furnace. Probably didn't need two don't tables get, of Furnace. Don't get me wrong, but it's a one-hour game. It's not... It's not yeah. like, they probably just the, wanted a few you know, one-hour games in there. But Imperial Steam is totally a hot game. People should check it out. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's amazing. Favorite for game of the year. I still cannot believe I played the first four rounds with no coffee. Because it's it's a brain burner. I can't believe you did it. Yeah, it was it it is a and real still almost won. I know I didn't do too bad. Right, if you didn't have to pay me all that money I at know. the end to reach Trieste, you would have won. Don't remind me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's still some hard feelings. I was I I, I played a very competitive first game. I was very happy with my uh, yeah. with with how I was able to navigate a very big decision space and a wonderful decision. Space. It went right down to the end, and you sure pro- probably should have won if I had taught the game properly. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was that's happened more than once this weekend but yeah. that's listen that's part of bgg con you're playing so many games in the day you're not going to get everything right which is why i will once again say everything we are saying take with a grain of salt we could be playing all of these games slightly to very wrong uh, we believe that we're pretty good but we we reserve the right to be utterly utterly wrong and for trust me for the games that we are are, are interested in we look forward to doing rev- full reviews of them at a later point we will be doing that um next game we played um this was this one caught me by surprise i wasn't really uh expecting anything i, I hadn't heard a lot about i heard a little bit about it's it but my not second play a new yeah there was a uh, there's a new designer out who came up with a game called stage left and uh how would we describe it i guess it was it's a game about a band that is just starting out in the i would music like to say scene. this game rocks does, does, does this game rock? okay should we quote you Tray of you can put that game, on a Kickstarter. Tray, this game tray rocks. Tray game rocks. Rocks. This game well, rocks. Slur, right? That was your band name. My slur. band name was Slur. Versus in casual toast over here, Tom. I played it. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we're, we're playing <laughs> Candace's game. We're playing the the prototype of Candace's game. Uh, 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 rock and roll band stage, game. Stage left, which is a rock and roll band game. My band was casual toast, and for the entire game, I was able to channel my inner punk from from East Dump. This is, this is not the kind of impressions we wanted out of this podcast. This is, <laughs> it's one of the few accents I can do without being accused of anything. <laughs> so I'm going to go to town with it. And, and basically for two and a half hours, I did nothing but this accent the entire time. I had an absolute blast. Uh, it, listen, it, it is early stages. It's still in alpha testing. Uh, but but there are so many great things, Candace. And I just want to say on the podcast that I had an absolute blast playing your Thank game. Thank you. Thank you. And, and look forward to, to look forward to seeing the the next evolution of it as it progresses on. But uh, I I just loved it. I just had such a great time. It's such a great theme, and it's obvious that you're a musician. It's obvious that you have such a deep love for this this community and this experience and this this formative time of forming a band and just trying to get uh, airtime and trying to get you know a, a gig and and do well. And it, it comes through in every aspect of the game. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was really great to watch you guys play and have you guys play and get your feedback. Do like, you feel like it's really... I, I think... Uh, isn't play testing just terrifying? No, 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 no. To me, it's always incredibly painful. <laughs> there, there were moments Maybe your where game, I'm like... your game is good. That's the difference. <laughs> your game is good, and so it's a pleasurable experience. I was so entertained uh, watching you guys play. And uh, Mark and Tom had this, uh, this special rivalry going on. Let me say... Thug Thug Cup is an horrible <laughs> band, right? <laughs> they they don't have a creative bone in the bodies, and uh, they Tom deserve. Tom is quoting to- a previous game design of me of mine that remains unpublished. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was Mark's band name, Thug Thug. Thug, thug cop. Thug, oh, thug, so cop. that's a reference to a, yes. a prototype of a game I had done with Matthew O'Malley. Yes, it is. <laughs> I did not know that. Oh, no. Okay. okay. Sorry. I missed so his band name. Yeah. Yeah. Thug, thug, cop. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was an absolute blast. And these guys gave me some really awesome feedback. And I'm looking forward to continuing to work on it. Yes. Yes. Uh, and we're looking forward to playing playing more games of it because I think you really got something uh, special here and I look forward to seeing. I might the, even the let Paul stage. play it at some point. Don't you should it. let Paul no, break no, it. No. Well, yes, wait, no. wait until wait until you're almost ready and then have him come in. <laughs> have him crush your soul. And then crush your soul. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, we played Scout, which we've talked about on the podcast before, uh, but this was a little bit of a new presentation for Scout. Candice, talk about that for a second. Yeah, so it's the new version of Scout which is a ladder climbing game. Yeah, we've talked about it before, but you have these cards in your hand that are, they have two numbers, a number on the top left corner, a number in the bottom right corner. And uh, part of the game is like at the very beginning of the game, you are dealt a hand of cards and you can decide if you want to completely flip the orientation of them um, because you're trying to play combos that are better than your opponents to get rid of cards in your hand. So you're trying to play cards that are going to either reveal combos or, you know, set up combos so you can play these big epic hands. It's kind of an individual trick taking game, not exactly trick taking, but it's like halfway between hearts and bonanza Mm -hmm. because there's this whole thing where you do not get to reorder your cards. That's right. Right. Similar to rearrange them to bonanza there. But, um, I really like this game. I don't think I love this new addition <laughs> in the way it looks. They they chose like it they did circus theme. Right. And then chose 
purple and orange as the color combinations, which is pretty much like the most grotesque color combination. Uh, sorry, BGG. That <laughs> and Phoenix Suns. See, I know basketball. Yeah. Are they yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah, you see how much he knows basketball. <laughs> right there. But uh, yeah, so, so the now they, uh, the game was originally released by a Japanese publisher and mm-hmm. was not just, uh, dist- distributed anywhere. Um, I got my original copy from Amazon.jp, um, but now there is a new version that's going to be available everywhere, I believe. And people um, should Definitely get it. in the US. Yeah, it's, it's a great card game. Uh, one of the things that I did like about the new version is that it includes point tokens because before you had to kind of keep track on a sheet of paper or right. your phone of everybody's scores from round to round. Um, but uh, the card quality feels a little better and it's a small box. It's one of those games you can kind of just take anywhere. It's super fun. Scout. Yeah, wh- whip it up. And, and like, even if you don't play a full, full game, game, like just yeah. playing a few rounds is, is, really is pleasurable. Fun. So it, it fits that niche of tweener. Going out by dropping in a seven card run is one of the best experiences oh. in life. Everyone should try it. Uh, yeah, it was a great game. Well, it, for you, it, does it hit a little bit of that teach you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's pleasure. It's, yeah. it's super teach you light in that it's not a partner game at all. But it definitely it, it, there's a little bit of teach you in it. and There's a little bit of bonanza in it. In right, that you can't mm-hmm. reorganize your hand and you're trying to do that. That's a great combination because those are two really innovative card games that do a lot of really great things. Well, I, I love it. And even more than bonanza, it's uh, the crass car art, which is called Delt. I think the U.S. version. Oh, we never like, played that. Oh, yeah. So as, as soon as I played it, I was like, oh, this is dealt, but like with the scouting a- aspect added. Because in, in Crass Carriart, which is the German name, I think, again, the English name is dealt, I think is what they called it. But you're playing these combos and you're trying to, and it's very, very similar and you can't rearrange the cards in your hand. But I, I think Scout makes it okay. a better version the, of that game. The idea in Scout, because it's not exactly a trick-taking, we're like, we're going to go around and then somebody's right. like, have, play, have played the winning card. In Scout, you play a card or a series of cards and then the player to the left of you has to beat it. And if they cannot beat it, uh, what or they, they don't want to or they choose, choose to not to mm-hmm. then they do what's mm-hmm. called scout and what scout means is that you remove a card from the winning hands uh, with the makeup of that hand so yeah. if they had three eights you will pull off one of the eights and remember these cards have a value both on the top of the card and the bottom of the card inverted but you uh, cannibalize the the winning hand so you've like attacked it you know yeah. you you lost it you gained a card that goes into your hand which is can help you make things happen, but it's also like cards in your hand are a negative. Yeah. Getting out is good. Score points of cards you take is good. Cards in your hand is is bad. And so it has a very like, like the game just keeps going round and round and round and round and round. It's not like there's individual Right tricks per se. Tricks per se, but when you can beat the hand in front of you, you take those cards and then those become points. And then after that, we were ready to play our second game of Show Manager. Having been denied Show Manager the previous night, we were like, let's get back. I want to put on the best production of Queenie the world has ever seen. (laughs) And then some guy showed up with a different game. Who was that guy? Eric Martin. Wait, the Eric Martin of Board Eric Game Geek? Eric Martin, yeah. Holy cow. Eric Martin showed up and under tucked under his, uh, his his little wing there. He had Free Ride, a new game by Friedman Friesa who is the designer of not only Power Grid, but one of our favorite games, Fresh Fish. Uh, so how could we say no to a one-hour filler game by the madman himself, Friedman Frieza? And how could we say no to playing a game with the delightful uh, Eric Martin? We sat down and we played 
Freeride. Freeride is a uh, it's a train route building and route traveling game. There's a there's a touch of Ticket to Ride about it, but it doesn't really play like Ticket to Ride. Essentially, what is going to happen is you can do one of three things on your turn. You can build two track. You can move t- your train two cities down your track. Or you can pick up five new track. It seems super simple, uh, but those are the main actions. The free actions are these cards. The cards are built in in sets of three, and the three represent three of the cities on the board. And you can take the top two cards of those three, or you can take the bottom two cards of those three, and one represents the the starting location, and one represents the destination. You're going to get five points per card at the end of the game. Okay. Big big picture, though. this The game is about linking cities in Europe. Yeah. Pick up and sure. deliver. Pick sure. up and deliver from all these different cities in Europe, and all of the cities use the name of, of how the city is spelled and pronounced in the native Correct. country. Correct. Um, I thought it was a, a, a delightful little game. It's everything I expect from Freeman Frieza, which is it's fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It doesn't wear out its welcome. Um, Splatter light. Yeah. Super light. Super light. Super light. Yeah, totally. Um, but fun. My, my, I wonder going forward if the luck of being in the right place when the new set of cards comes out isn't going to overwhelm the other decisions in the game. But I ha- I certainly had a lot of fun playing it. Hard to say. Uh, Matt won this game. Yep. Matt you know, won actually by a pretty healthy margin. And I don't remember him like getting really lucky on his cards or anything. He no, actually, I think he went for those coins. He zagged when everyone else was zigging. Yep. It yep. seemed to be secret of his success. This is going to fit into the same category, I think, as like a Babylonia. Maybe even a little sure. lighter than a Babylonia. But like game where like, okay, we've got an hour, maybe 75 minutes. We're waiting for someone else to finish a game. You could get free ride on the table and and play it and be done and if you especially if you knew it already you could totally play it in 45 minutes 100 percent. yeah it's a very good game it's and a, yeah and every time you you make your deliveries like you keep the pair of cards and they score at the end of the game so for you know the the first card of each city you have is worth five points and then if you have repeats they're worth two points each then you also have these coins that are out there that are three points each. But you, you you use those to pay other players to use their rails and kind of open up their rails to make mm-hmm. them public. It's simpler than it sounds. Yeah. Like the, the rules are actually quite... It's pretty... Yeah, it's pretty simple. The hardest part was just getting used to the geography and like studying all this this big spread of cards. <laughs> well, and learning and saying, European okay, cities yeah, that we really should what, know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I had a good time playing too. I like... I like the, just like Fayum, um, I like the board art. I, it has such a vintage feel, mm. and I like that it was kind of um, simple. I yeah. would, probably will play it again. I just delight playing a game I with think Eric Martin. Jim Fitzgerald will really do well at this He'll game. He'll crush it. Yeah. That's exactly mm. his kind of Shout thinking. out to Jim Fitzgerald. Shout out to Jim Fitzgerald. Uh, and then this morning, I woke up at 7.30 in the morning and got in line for the hot games room. There were already 10 people there, and I had to elbow people out of the way to make it to the game that I wanted to play more than any other game here. There was only one copy in the hot games room, and that is Vladimir Suhi's Messina 1347. My apologies to the co-designer. I don't remember his name. I don't have it right in front of me. Let us look it up. We will find it out. Messina 1347 could not be a more timely game. It is incredible how timely it is. It is literally the city of Messina during the beginning of the Black Plague and played over the course 
of the Black Plague scourging that city. You have um, these lieutenants that are going to go out in a work replacement fashion into a hex city. What's his name? The other designer is Raul Fernandez Aparicio. Aparicio. Excellent. Yes, what Tom said. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so Vladimir Shuhi. Island of Messina. The island of Messina. During the plague. No, no, no the, island, the island of Sicily. The okay. city of the city, city of Messina. Messina. Uh, during the pandemic, you are putting, uh, there is a city map which has all these different hexes. There are four ports in the four corners, and I am putting out my three lieutenants. And when I do that, I do the following three things. I rescue people that are in that sector and take them to my palatial estate. I... I burn away any plague cubes that are in the space that I'm in, and then I take the action that is afforded by that space, and then the next person goes, and so on and so forth, until we've all taken our turns. Um, it is a very, very interesting game in that most games would focus on the action of the tile and what that is, but because you are rescuing people and you're fighting plague there's just there's just so many competing impulses on each turn and some of these impulses are are crazy like if you're rescuing somebody in a district that has the plague they can't just go onto your onto your player board and do good things they have to go into a quarantine shed and for two rounds of the game, <laughs> so much fun. they have to get better. But it is. But hey, guess what? You can upgrade. You can build a quarantine shed that allows them to do a little. If they're going to be in a quarantine shed, they should be chopping wood for me. Whittling, making you know, <laughs> ma- making little things you can sell on put, Etsy and making some gold. Put these sick people to work. Exactly. Um, your player board is your estate, and when you put guys into your estate, there are lots of actions that are going to allow you to move a piece around your uh, three different pieces around your estate to activate those pieces. People in and give you little bonus actions. It is a game that has a lot going on. There is a right, like I, I didn't feel lost, but I definitely felt challenged the whole way through because there were the decision space was pretty vast, right, Trey? Yeah, absolutely. I think this, this was, um, I, I still feel like the ceiling on Arc Nova is going to be pretty high, maybe to be determined. Sure, sure. But the the ceilings on Arc Nova could still be super high. This is still probably like my favorite game that I played, and um, maybe the the thing that most appealed to me uh, about it is that it it is absolutely a worker placement game, but it's a worker placement game where the the spaces on the board are uh, the adjacency matters. The location of like these spaces next to each other matters. Yeah. Because you, unlike most worker placement games where you place your workers on the end of the round, they come back to you. In this game, they do not come back to you. Wherever you place them last round is their starting point for movement in the next. And like, I, I know there's some games that probably do that. Uh, well, does the Istanbul kind of do that a little bit? Where you like where you are, then you have to move. Yeah, there's, of, there's no not many workers. You have one piece. Right, you have one piece. And this it, you, it's genuine worker placement. But it's as if you played Agricola, because I know Candice loves to talk about this. If you played Agricola, and because you took <laughs> because you took the one grain space last round, you know the the options that are easy for you in the next round are those four things that are neighboring, you know right. the the one the one grain yeah. space. So like you, what you did in the previous round matters. Now there's ways to kind of like buy your way out of that, but your placement on the board is actually really critical. Money is tight, so you can't so. you can't uh, you know at the end of a round m- you know move your a worker across across the board to 
do something. You you, yeah. you just can't. So you need to be thinking. There's a lot of really good thought that's going into, okay, there's a lot of things I want to do this round. The sequencing is going to be important. Just pulling off what I want to pull off in a vacuum would be very, very hard. But that's before other people start taking actions and gobbling up these spaces. So I need to be hyper, hyper aware of you know, what, who am I competing with for certain actions? And that always feels like the real kind of best bread and butter of your worker placement is when you're both pursuing an individual strategy for yourself and you've got your heads up looking at what other people are doing and you need to win those races, right? You need to, to correctly prioritize the order in which you do things before things get stolen from you. We're going to be reviewing this as soon as we get a copy of it. It's a, it's a fantastic game. I think it's it maybe uh, you know Shipyard is actually my favorite uh, Suhi. Uh, this this definitely rivals that and might even surpass it. I'm looking forward to a lot more plays of this game. Ken, sorry you couldn't make it this morning, but Ben, you got to check this out. You're going to love it. Okay, I'll put it on my list. I'll as put a, it on my as list. As a final plug for this game, yes, this game has wooden rat pieces. <laughs> Wooden rats that they're you, adorable. If you they're adorable. Cannot, if you cannot burn out the plague in the places that you are at, if you go to the ships gonna and get can't rats. get those, you're gonna you're gonna get some rats. Okay, and the rats get worse the more rats you get. They're, they're, the rats are bad. The rats are bad. Okay, I can't want, wait to try it. I kind of wanted some rats, but we we all we all tried to keep our hands a little too clean. I think optimal play. <laughs> We should have had more rats. <laughs> well, nobody scored any negative points because nobody had more than one rat at the end of the game. And I think it, I think ideal play is, you know what? I'll take a couple more rats. I'll get a negative four at the end. But the actions that I took to get that negative four is are generating me 10, 12 points. We, so yeah, we played with a new player, Bre okay. Brendan, who was clearly the most selfish and least interested in actually helping the people of Messina. And it served him well. I think uh, three quarters of the game, he looked at the black cubes and said, what are those? <laughs> I thought this. I thought this was just a. This was just a building your economy. We game. we thought the game was actually like putting an end to the plague, and so that we, was incorrect. He was he was a he was a tremendously good sport because we kept picking on him for for basically ignoring the plague and just <laughs> blindly going through. The and, plague and was just a monetary opportunity for Brendan and his to state. the point where at the end of the game I said, "So in, in real life, uh, uh, do you do advertising for tobacco companies?" And he goes, "No, but I do work in oil and gas." <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he laughed. He thought it was funny. It was a really, really good game. Highly recommend that everybody check it out, and we look forward to reviewing that soon. And that was all the games that we played here at the con. Oh, wait. Oh, wait a minute. There was there was one more game that we played. Uh, Candace, before we wait, even I got here. What did we... Candace said, I don't recall. There was a Candace said before we got here that there was a GMT game that was very beer that we and all pretzels. Needed to play. Oh yeah, that beer and pretzels. We all needed to I play. said beer and pretzels. So uh, <laughs> with with a big grin on her face in the library, she saw a copy of this game called Tank Duel. We <laughs> got it out, we set it up and we set about uh, a big teach Soviet versus yeah oh sure. big teach we had to learn <laughs> a lot about, of important rules got to know we had to learn about flanking rules we had to learn about upgraded ammo got to keep our morale up we had to learn about getting how do we get cover hold, concealment to, hold down yeah I was they trying to get it. hold down they loved yeah. it penetration values on our spotting. guns versus the armor <laughs> from the front versus the side this is classic GMT game with a lot of really meaty mechanisms. And about 15 minutes into the game, 
uh, Candace gets hit with the tank and she flips over the card and it says your entire <laughs> tank hit. your entire tank burns and everybody dies. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're hitting, we're hitting the other team like six, seven times. And okay, okay. I think, I think one of their gunners <laughs> needed a Band-Aid at some point. I think that was the extent. Yeah, like oh, didn't Matt, you didn't, Matt's he wounded tank my caught on fire, gunner. but then it like was extinguished immediately or yeah. something. Uh, Superficial. If you uh, were involved in the creation or development of Tank Duel, uh, please turn off the podcast at this point. <laughs> we do not want to be mean. Hated it. <laughs> hated it, hated it. Hated it. What were you thinking? They were laughing the whole time. <laughs> they are just afraid of a little bit of fun. Oh, my Not, This is God. the difference between there, laughing with and laughing there at. There are yes, games definitely. that have randomness, and some people are afraid of randomness and don't know how to embrace it and just sit back and have fun there blowing up each other's tanks. There are a hundred cards in the deck, and to resolve <laughs> anything, you flip over one of those cards, which generates a random number between one and a hundred. Look, if you if you play games like Combat Commander or Fields of Fire uh-huh. and you like the multi-use card play, uh-huh. play those games. It, it is <laughs> <laughs> it has a similar feel. It no, I it hey listen, I said it's a beer and pretzels game. It is oh not. I did not it's say not. it's chess. There no. is a major <laughs> disconnect in this game between yes. the presentation, the rules load, and what it actually is when you get because it is beard pretzels in the end because random stuff happens. Yeah, it's just a it's a fun I didn't know I need to go through the sixty minute GMT teach. It is not sixty a, minutes. This is not a beer and pretzels game. This is not a beer and pretzels. This is a huffing glue and smashing your head with a hammer game. Oh That's my what goodness. This is. These is, guys are super dramatic about this. It's they, it's they, your fault. You set it up. We're we're doing the start. Like, I'm using flanking. I admit we had fun. Yes. Oh, the, oh yes. my goodness! Did everybody yes. hear that? Let's rewind. I'm that I'm having tape. fun right now. Let's rewind and this that is the kind tape. of fun I think we were having during. <laughs> hey, playing it was a memorable experience. Oh yeah. It it was it was definitely <laughs> to the point where everything else we experienced for the rest of the weekend. What I learned we were, this <laughs> weekend is not everybody has the same taste in games or food. I. Or <laughs> yes. oh, here we go with that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about those fries. I, I think those are the tank duel of fries. Don't don't hate on it just because it's not for you. <laughs> just say it's not for you. I think you cor- don't. I think you don't that, like fun. I think that it's corrosion okay. is the tank duel of capstone games. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! No, uh, Crystal Palaces. Oh, oh shots what? fired. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> all right, it's on. Yeah. Evidently, it's on. All right. We have different definitions of tank duel, though, too. I so guess that's factor true. Factor that in. I guess that's true. I, I, I spent a, a half an hour trying to create the maximum advantage for my tank, only to find out that any draw of the deck had it, it completely invalidated every choice that I made. <laughs> Instantly. Um, now, it was... It was it, listen, Candace anything doing almost anything with you is very fun so we had a good time in that horrible horrible game 
Um, uh, it is Saturday here at the con, so there is still more con to be had, but we decided that we would uh, record this. I'm actually flying back tonight. The rest of the crew is staying until tomorrow, so there'll be more games to play, and uh, we'll probably do a little We update. have 24 more hours Let's go do this. We got to do this. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, so, so we're going to end it here. We just wanted to let everybody know that we're having a great time at BGG Con. It is going to be uh, the same time every year, which is two weeks before Thanksgiving here in Dallas. And uh, it's a really fun con. We highly recommend two weeks that you before? check it out. No, it's a week, the week, a week before, before Thanksgiving. Week before it's Thanksgiving. always yeah, week yeah, before yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah. I said two, I meant one. Uh, week before Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's all we have to say, we guys. We got to go play show manager. We got to go play show manager. I cannot wait. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Game Brain Pod. We have a Facebook group, a Discord channel. Get in those board game small air requests. Edamar Peleg, who does our amazing graphics, has a uh, website now. It is called Kerblunoni.com. Uh, I will spell it for you. K-A-R-B-L-O-O. Uh, I'm sorry. K-I-R- this will be in the show notes. Yes, it will be. But Check K- the show notes. K-A-R-K-I-R-B-O-O-L-O-N-I.com. He is an amazing graphic artist. You should definitely check him out. And ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Game Brain. Produced and edited by Matthew Robinson, Thomas Donnelly, and Trey Alsup. Thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. And thanks to Edmar Pelleg for our incredible graphics. You can uh, reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod. Thanks so much for listening and go play some games with friends or make some friends with games. Mm-hmm.